0: Well, it's time for the good word, and Wednesday night is a time for us to do uh, uh, not just a a quick glance, but to carefully look at the word of the Lord, and I want to take you tonight to the book of Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and I am going to read beginning with verse number 11 down through verse number 17. I know that you're familiar, I'm sure as I begin to read it, you will uh, remember or identify with some of the things that Paul said here in this particular book. Ephesians chapter 5, I want to begin reading in verse 11. And he said, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And everybody said, Amen. Verse 16, he said, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And I want to use that portion of Scripture to talk about how to live in dangerous times. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for being here and our guests for being here tonight. We welcome you to Greater Life Church. How many of you have ever heard of Rodney, Mississippi? No one? Rodney, Mississippi. Anybody? She has. You have to be from there. All right. Well, don't give away my secret tonight. Rodney, Mississippi, sits on <clears throat> or near the great Mississippi River between St. Louis and New Orleans. At one time, it was the busiest port between St. Louis and New and New Orleans. It missed becoming the capital of Mississippi by three votes. Three votes separated it from being the capital of Mississippi. And yet today, if you do any research, you will find most often it is referred to as a ghost town. A ghost town. In the 1840s, it was a thriving town, busy port. It was not only a busy port, but being the community that it was, it was the first city to have an opera house in the state of Mississippi. It was such a popular place that there were plays that were produced and put on in Rodney, Mississippi that were... Seen only in New York City or in Philadelphia at the time. And yet we, sitting here tonight, have not even heard of Rodney, Mississippi. A town that in its zenith had 35 stores. And it had a bank that in the 1800s had million dollars in collateral because of the trade that was there on that river it was not only a town of growth and prosperity but it was a town of a certain amount of vision because in the 1800s the 1840s 1850s they were wise enough to realize that they they needed to expand the education of their Children And so they built what was then called Oakland College, but since has become known as Alcorn State University. And yet, today it is a ghost town. It is a ghost town because the river, that mighty Mississippi that is known also as a fickle kind of river because it often changes its course and it changes channels, did that to Rodney, Mississippi. Rodney was built upon the banks of the Mississippi and as early as the 1700s, it was identified as the location where Native American Indians crossed over that mighty span of water. And yet now it is no longer located on the Mississippi, but near the Mississippi. And as a result, it is nothing but a has-been of a town. Because when the, the river began to change its course, and the river channel began to move away from the city the 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 governing body of people that controlled that town were not wise enough to realize that their livelihood was connected to that river and so they dug their heels in and they said no we'll stay right here the river moved its course some 5 miles away from where it was at that particular time it now flows away in another direction. And because that city and its founders and the people that were in it were not wise enough to follow the moving of that river. They were not wise enough to expand toward that. It became the death kneel. And that river, when it changed course, is sent rodney mississippi into oblivion and now it is known only as a ghost town what could have been what should have been what ought to have been three votes away from being the capital of mississippi and yet there was not enough vision among people to realize that their livelihood was connected to that river I talked to you last Wednesday night about the importance of a move of God and the importance of that transforming power that can come into a person's life. Ezekiel saw it as a river came out of the throne of God and down in through Jerusalem and out into the countryside and it touched the country and changed it and influenced it and made it better. It turned a dead sea into a life-giving place. And so it is with the Holy Ghost. It is such a changing element. It is such a revitalizing part of our life. And it is so important that we are able to stay up with that flow. And when the Spirit of God begins to move, that we know where it's moving is matter of fact, in the Old Testament when God gave Israel their Exodus papers from Egypt, He also gave them a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day that was to lead them. And the instructions were, whenever that cloud moves, you move. Whenever that cloud moves, you move. You don't allow yourself to be rocked to sleep to think that you can get by without it. You cannot survive without its protection. You cannot survive without its leadership in your life. And so it is with you and I that when the Spirit of the Lord begins to move, we better know how to move with it. Amen. So many people are like Rodney, Mississippi, though. They get stuck in their little rut, and they don't want to move. They don't want to relocate. They don't want to change the way they're doing things. And so they become has-beens, or they become ghosts. They become only a shadow of what could have been or what should have been. When Paul began to write to the Ephesian believers, he was concerned about the times. He was more concerned about their response to the times in which they lived. And not only the times in which they lived, but the times in which we live. And and so in chapter 5 of this particular book, Paul was admonishing them about the changing of the times and about the importance of staying up with what God was doing. He said something to the effect that it would be a difficult time to live in and certainly that is an understatement for our day, difficult days, that that uh, speaks of where we live right now, difficult times, desperate times. A time when the foundations of our world are being shaken and turned upside down. A day when truth is being trampled in the street. And Paul said that they would be known as evil days. Everybody say evil days. Evil days, that's the time in which you will live. They will be desperate. They will be difficult days. But what is so interesting to me is that God tied a word to the Christian, to the child of God. He tied a word to those evil days that doesn't seem to fit. He said of these evil days, he said buy up the time or redeem the time because the days are evil. In the the Greek, the word that is used for redeem actually speaks of opportunity. And so when you look at the context of what Paul was saying, Paul was saying that in difficult circumstances there are still great opportunities. There are great opportunities. There are great challenges that come to us in difficult times. And we would not associate evil and opportunity, but God said that's exactly how the child of God who is connected to the Spirit who is walking in the Spirit, who is led by the Spirit, will look at their time. They will realize that this is the best opportunity I have to show the grace of God. This is a great day to be alive, church. It's a great day. As evil as it is and as wicked as it is, it's a great time to be alive. And though it is troublesome... And though there are things about our day that make us shake when we consider them, there is also great opportunity for us in the midst of these treacherous times in which we live. And so Paul, writing to these Ephesian believers and to us as well, talked about, the dangers of the hour, and how we must respond to them. And there are three things that Paul mentioned in the verses that we read from that God began to speak to me about this afternoon and even yesterday and the day before. I began to consider this particular portion of Scripture He talks about awaking. And so one of the dangers of the hour certainly is sleep. Everybody say sleep. The danger of the hour in which we live is that people will go to sleep spiritually. That they will become unconcerned or disconnected. Or they will become, uh, as as the Bible speaks, One who sleeps. And so it is. There are a lot of sleeping people today. A lot of sleeping saints, unfortunately. Rocked to sleep by the times. Lulled to sleep because of lethargy. And Paul said, in essence, what needs to happen is there needs to be an awakening. There, Something has got to wake up the church and something has got to wake up the sleeping saint it, it seems ironic you, you you don't want to put those two things together sleep and saint and yet that's exactly what paul warned about the times in which we live that it would become so easy to go to sleep amen to go to sleep and there are people that are here even tonight that are On the verge of going to sleep. I don't mean naturally, physically right now. I mean spiritually. You know, you go to sleep because you get too comfortable. Or you go to sleep because you get too warm or you go to sleep because you get too full. You eat a big meal and, and there's something that happens to that food. It goes into your, your, your system. And the next thing you know, your eyelids are getting heavy. And you know, the truth is some of us have been fed so much spiritually that that's exactly, it's just like, it's hard to keep our eyes. It's hard to stay alert. It's hard to realize that this is the day of the Lord's coming that it could actually be tonight that God could say, all right, Gabriel, enough is enough. Sound the trumpet and bring our God, bring these people home. It could be tonight. And yet in spite of that, it's so hard to get some people to wipe the sleep out of their eyes and wake up and be alert and realize that these are the best times of our life. These are the most important Days that have ever been on the face of the earth. And there are greater opportunities right now for us as a church and as God's people than we've ever had before. But you've got to wake up. You've got to wake up. You can sleep through the best times of your life if you're not careful. You can sleep through the greatest opportunities, And so Paul warned of one of the dangers of this hour would be sleep. A tendency of people to nod off, to become disconnected or uninterested. And they are not where they need to be. There are people here tonight that life is rocking you to sleep. Just the rhythm of life and the way things are going, it's hard for you to wake up and realize, God, God is in this place. And I, I need to be alert tonight. I need to be awake. Everybody say sleep. One of the great dangers that the psalmist was aware of was that he might sleep the sleep of death. What a tragic thing to go to sleep and never wake up again. Amid dangerous circumstances, there's great opportunity, but one of the greatest dangers of the hour is sleep. Amen. Sleep. God, wake us up. I've been praying that for the last few months, God, wake this church up. I don't want tragedy. I don't want God to have to drop a bombshell in my life to get my attention. But I do know this: there is way too much of that. That you know what I'm talking about? When you get in that place, uh, your eyes start to cross, and you, oh yeah. Uh, there's way too much of that. It's, it's, it's become epidemic, not only in the church, but in the world. We've, we've gone, our sleep, our conscience has gone to sleep. Look, look around. Nobody's shocked at anything anymore. My Lord, we, we, we're every day that I pick up the newspaper and every day that I listen to the news, there's something even more shocking than yesterday that's happened. And here we are. What, what, what did he just say? What? what I mean, uh, the shock of all shockers today. Gomer Powell came out. He's gay. You know what? That doesn't bother anybody. We just We have a president that is pushing that agenda right now. That is making it his priority that before he leaves office, he's going to make sure that there is the same kind of treatment for gay and lesbians as there are for other civil rights issues. And they're not even in the same. But we have become a people that have heard that for so much and we are so full and we are so rich and increased with good. It's like, wake me up when there's something more important to talk about. Our conscience has gone to sleep. Nobody's outraged that in America, on a daily basis, there are millions of abortions every day. Every day there are millions. No one anymore is shocked that in Congress right now, there are bills that are on the back burner that if they can get them pushed through, will silence this pulpit. That what I have just preached to you I would not be able to open my mouth and say without losing our our status as an incorporated nonprofit organization. They're in the works right now. But you know what? We're asleep. We're asleep. Television, do you know that over the last two years. The predominant theme of all sitcoms has become the pushing of the gay and lesbian agenda. If you don't believe it, go research how many are how many of the new programs are built around the dysfunctional family or the family where there's two men or there's two. I mean, it's it's hap- it, and it's happened so much that we don't even nothing. Nothing shocks us any longer. It's because. We live in a sleepy time. Wake me up, Brother Hughes, when there's something more important to talk about. Folks, I don't know of anything more important to talk about than that. That's the righteousness of a nation. That's the soul of a nation. And it's being stole. It's being taken from us. The purity of who we are as a people is being stripped out of us, but we're too sleepy to worry about it. We read it, but it doesn't shock us. We read it, but it doesn't drive us to our knees. We read it, but nothing says, Oh, God, send revival to America. It's because Paul said, it's a danger of that hour sleep. If we don't wake up, church, if we don't wake up, And I mean really wake up. I mean wake up and get on fire. I mean wake up and ignite. I mean wake up and become a brand. I mean wake up and shake the place where we are. Before we know what's happening, the doors of our churches will be barred. Oh yes. Not with natural bars, but they will be so limited that if you open your mouth, and say one thing contrary to what the, the, the so-called conventional wisdom of the day is, you will be shut down. God, wake us up before it's too late. Wake us up while there's still time to shake this nation. God, is it possible that you could send revival through a remnant? You did in the Old Testament. You didn't have a whole nation. You didn't have a whole group of people. All you had was a remnant. You just had a handful of people. But a handful of people that were not going to go to sleep. A handful of people that said, I'm not going to be lulled. I'm not going to be rocked asleep by the age I want revival. And a handful of people God was able to take. And He was able to turn a nation around. He was able to turn a city around. Is it? possible that in ninth, in 2013 that God could find a remnant of people at Greater Life Church that said, oh God, wake me up. I, I don't want to sleep. I want to be awake. I don't want to go through this hour and miss my opportunity. I don't want to miss the greatest revival that the world has ever seen because I am asleep. Amen. Wake us up, God. You know what? Not only has our conscience gone to sleep, but something else has gone to sleep in America, and that's the pioneering spirit. It's that spirit to want to discover, to have. It's it's gone to sleep. It, It has been lulled to sleep by prosperity. We have so much that we don't need anything. Because we don't need anything, we're not desperate enough. Our times are desperate. The need is desperate, but we're not. All it took were four men outside of a city that became desperate. And they brought a revival that transformed the whole Samaritan landscape. Four lepers. Four lepers. That said, you know what? Why sit we here and die? let's get up and go do something. Let's let's go see if God will not move. And four men change the landscape. I wonder what would happen if Greater Life Church started praying, God, wake us up. God wake us up. I wonder what would happen on a Sunday morning if we came in here praying, God, wake us up. Wake us up. Don't let us sleep. Don't let us be don't don't let us be lazy and lethargic. This is the greatest hour. This is the God said, his word said that my latter house shall be greater than my former house. That he was going to do greater things in the end that he did in the beginning. He said to his disciples Greater things than these You're going to do So why would I want to miss that Why would I want to sleep Through what that that kind of opportunity Wake us up God Wake us up God Somebody say wake us up Wake us up Wake us up Paul said there's going to be A danger of sleep He said there's going to be A danger of slippage Everybody say slippage, slippage. That means thoughtlessness, missing the opportunity. That's why he talked about buying up, redeeming the time, gaining the advantage of the day. Don't let opportunity slip through your hand. Don't allow your life to begin to slip away from those things that you have believed and held so dear why church why why is it so easy for us to let things go in this day without any question we just we let it go without anybody saying hold on there was a reason that fence was here there was a reason that our, the old timers preached what they preached. There was a reason why we have taken this stand on, on godliness and holiness and self. There's a reason why we've lived this way. Why are we leaving that? Why are we moving away from that? I read recently and I, was, I, I meant to bring it out th- tonight. Recently in, in France, there was a historic building that was torn down. I mean a historic building from centuries ago that was torn down because somebody misread the instructions. There was a building on the property that was to be torn down. But they didn't read all that the paper had stated for them. And so when the owner... (coughs) got a call from the city father saying, what are you doing? He was as much at shock as they were to find out that the people that he had hired to tear down a building in the back of the property had mistaken their instructions and had torn down that mansion. We have a lot of people that are tearing down mansions tonight, to, and they're not asking, is this really what we're supposed to be doing? listen to me church we don't need we don't need to let go of anything if anything we need to tighten up on some stuff amen this is wednesday night i don't know what you came for but this is what god gave me to give to you there, there's too many things that are slipping away from our head. They're slipping out of our hold. They're slipping away from our heart. They're slipping away from our mind. We don't hold them as dearly as we once did, and we need to get a grip on that. We need to reach out and say, you know what, God, if holiness is who you are, then it ought to be important to me. If righteousness is who you are, then righteousness ought to be important to me. Amen. Instead of letting it go, instead of loosening the bands and opening the door, we should tighten our grip. And Then Paul said that not only will sleep and slippage be a problem, but sloppiness will be too sloppiness he talks about careless living he talks about being unwise one translation said don't be a fool don't play a fool don't 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 be sloppy in the way that you serve god there ought to be something about the way we act and the way that we dress and the way that we live and the way that we talk that speaks of us being a child of God. I'll go back to that slippage. You know, it's amazing when you're, not, when, when, when you're not where you need to be, not only do things slip away, but things slip in and things slip out. They slip out of your mouth before you think about it. Oh, where would that come from? That's what Paul said you need to be awakened to. There's a slippage that comes in life. And there's a slippage that comes when days are difficult. And there's a sloppiness that comes. And people are careless. They're they're not wise. They, 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 They don't understand the importance of the hour and so They just feel like any way or anything will do. And Paul said, you can't let that happen to you. You Don't allow yourself to become sloppy in your walk with God or in your relationship with God. Watch your step, he said in one translation. Keep your head, he said in another translation. Don't allow your life to become careless. Everybody say careless. Sloppy church. Amen. Sloppy worship. I I know that's not a very kosher word, but that's what Paul was talking about. You know what I'm talking about. It's when it's too much of a sacrifice to go get a a lamb that without blemish, it's a whole lot easier just to find anything and bring it. Yeah. It's it's too much sacrifice to come early to pray, and so we just we just, God, whatever you get for me tonight, you ought to be thankful. I'm meddling right now. You know what? God's been too good to us for us to be sloppy with Him. There was nothing sloppy about Calvary. There was nothing sloppy about His death, His burial, His resurrection. There's nothing about His mercy that's sloppy. There's nothing about His grace that is that way. There's nothing about the work of God toward me that has been anything but the very best. So why should I not give God my very best? Amen. Praise God. There's even some sloppy agape that going around. We call it love, but it's not love. Real love, biblical love, is a powerful thing. It's a transforming thing. It's a life saving, life giving thing. But the kind of love that goes around today is really just an excuse for carnality. Amen. Sloppy. That's what I don't. I, I don't want to become. Careless. I, I don't want I don't want to catch myself just throwing anything God's way and say, God, I hope you're happy with it. I want to give him my very best at all times. Amen. I want to give him my best praise, my best worship, my best time. Amen. Difficult days, Paul said. But he said, You need to be aware. That it's your greatest opportunity. And it will be your greatest day if you'll stay awake. Amen. Somebody say stay awake. Don't let the current move, the the, the channel move, and you be so stuck in your rut that you decide you're not moving. If the channel moves, move with it. Amen. Follow the river. Amen. Follow the river. When the Holy Ghost says, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Amen. It's time to wipe the sleep. It's time to wake up our conscience and become a voice again in our community. It's time to wake up our convictions and stand up and say, you know what? I'm not doing that. Amen. It's time to wake up our convictions and say, you know what? I'm not crossing that line. I'm not going there put me in jail, whatever you want to do, but I'm not crossing that line. Amen. Do you know that a conviction is the only thing that the Supreme Court says that they cannot violate as your religious freedom? They can ignore a preference But they cannot ignore a conviction. And a conviction means that you're willing to give your life for it. That it's not an option. Amen. You know what? We need to get some convictions back in our life. Amen. We need to get some convictions back. We need to shore up the loose ends. Pull those reins in and say, You know what, God? This is our greatest hour. This is is the time that you said you're going to pour out your spirit without measure. I don't need to be asleep. I don't need to be sloppy. I don't need to let things be slipping away. I I need to get my hands on something and stand up and be counted because this is our finest hour. Let's stand to our feet right now.